Let's have a word of prayer. Uh, like I said, I need it even if you don't. Uh, thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word, and that's what I ask, that it be your word and only your word, God. The Bible tells us that the anointing breaks the yoke, so, Lord, I'm asking for the anointing to be upon your word, not let it be my opinion, my thoughts, but your thoughts, Lord, and through the Holy Spirit may it be revelation to every person here, and I pray this in Jesus' name. So the title of my words that I'm going to speak, whatever you want to call them, is Speak Faith. So if you have a Bible or you have it on your phone and you want to read along, I'm going actually to 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. <clears throat> and this was a revelation the Lord gave me to many years ago when I was going through a really difficult time. And it became, it changed my life from that day forward. I was never the same. Uh, and, of course, he's no respecter of person. And what he does for one, he does for the other. So in Second Kings, the fourth chapter, starting at the eighth verse, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to her, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually she has no son and her husband is old. So he, called, he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And I want you to notice what she said. 
Now she'd lost the son that was the promised child and her husband was old. And she said, it is well. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by his feet, and Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for my soul, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, Did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Get yourself ready, and take my staff in your hand, and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him, and if anyone greets you, do not answer him but lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him saying, the child has not wakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up, stretched himself out on him, then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her, and when she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. Now, I know that was a long scripture reading, but I'm going to tell you, and I, I'm going to... Also tell you, I've studied this. I've studied for weeks since I was asked. The Lord immediately put the scripture in my mind when Sister Denise asked me to speak. But the Lord did something to me this time that he's never done before. I've, spoke, I've spoken in church and a lot of other places my entire life, but the Lord wouldn't give me the exact way to present this. He just told me to study specific scriptures and that he would tell me what to say when I got up here. But God gave me this scripture to stand in faith on about 17 years ago when we were going through a very devastating thing in our family. It would have destroyed our home, my, my children, and my marriage and many other things. And I'm not going to go into details about it because you don't need to know. But I come before the Lord and I said, I don't care what it looks like. 
I don't care what anybody else says. I know, God, you've got the answer. And I was praying one night and reading my Bible. And the Lord basically led me to this scripture. And he told me, Esther, if you really want an answer for the Lord and a move, uh, a miracle here, this is what you got to do. And it was that. Didn't matter what anybody else said, you spoke faith. I don't care what the circumstances is, you speak faith. If you can't speak faith, keep your mouth shut. And in fact, during that time, I, he, you know, it really became clear to me that in the scripture when they walked around the walls of Jericho, he told them to be quiet. Seven days, he said, don't say a word, because they had talked themselves right out of a miracle. And I wish I could say that I've always spoke faith, but I can tell you, I know I have talked myself out of miracles before, just by opening our mouth. But this is, this is what the Lord revealed to me. And he also told me, don't, don't share your problems with everybody. You find one or two faith-believing, Bible-believing people that can agree with you, and if you need someone to pray, then you contact them. Other, other than that, keep it to yourself and keep your mouth shut. And put good things into your mind. I go to sleep most of the time playing the Bible uh, on my phone or, or tape player. And I shut everything else out of my life. And it's funny because I told Sister Betty the other week when she talked about this, if I got up here and told you what, I really thought some of y'all were going to walk away and say that woman is radical. But I'm ra I radically believe the Word of God. Now I do. I've never seen God fail me my entire life. He's never failed me when I stood on faith. I mean, I took a bottle of oil and I anointed my home. I walked around my property every day for 30 days and claimed my home for the Lord. And I can tell you if, you, if you knew the circumstance, you would know that it was only God. Only God. I mean, I, and, and honestly, it involved lawyers. The lawyer was telling me, Esther, you got to face reality. I said, I believe what God says. I told him, I hired you because I have to have a lawyer, but my trust ain't in you, it's in God. And God's going to make a way. And this is the points I want to bring out that the Lord revealed to me in this scripture. When you're walking through a valley, and I, I promise you, if you're not walking through one right now, you'll be walking through one sometime in the future, or you just came out of one, because we live in a fallen world. And everybody faces problems. There, there's not one person. We try to present ourselves sometimes like we got it all together. But the only way I got it all together is with God, to be honest with you. So this is what he revealed to me. First of all, you got to know what your rights are. You know, a lot of times we think we will, you know, legally we got to know what your rights are. But you need to know what your rights are right here more than anywhere else. You need to know what your rights are in the Bible. And it's got to be revealed. It's got to be revealed from God to you. You can read the Bible and it not mean nothing to you. 
You need it. You need it revealed through the Holy Spirit. I was raised, as many of you know, or you may not know, my father was a pastor in the Church of God my entire life. And I can tell you, my father's a, a man of faith. He wasn't perfect, but I can tell you to this day, he's a man of faith. So I was raised in a Christian home. I literally learned to read, reading the Bible as a child. That's how I learned to read. We had Bible reading and prayer every night. I didn't care what was on TV. Of course, a lot of my life, we didn't have a TV. And I didn't care what your plans was. But I remember during the times that we did have a TV, <laughs> you had a show coming on you wanted to watch. You better make sure you get, gathered all the family, which was five kids together, because we was having Bob Green prayer and Dad didn't care what was on. So I knew the word. I grew up knew, knowing the word, but there's, there's a difference in reading the word and it becoming alive in your life. Where you can take that word and you can stay by faith, you know. Lord, I know you, what you have planned for me and it's good. You know, the, the scripture has to become real in your life. And the only way that's going to do it is through prayer and studying it. When I was a... Uh, a young woman, newly married. Uh, it was during the summer. I was in college at the time, and the, I didn't have a job. So I had a lot of time on my hands. And I didn't have any children at the time. And I heard a minister talking about the Word and, and how you can know. And he said, you know, take your Word. He said, if you don't believe the Bible, take it. And for 30 days... For 30 days, read at least 30 chapters. And he said, don't just read it. Consume it. Study it. Meditate on it. I thought, well, I'm young. I don't have any children. I took the scriptures and for 30 days I consumed the Word of God. I mean, I lived it, breathed it. Chris worked long hours at the time. We lived in a little one-bedroom apartment, so it didn't take me long to clean it. So, and I didn't have a TV, so I spent my day in the Word. And from that point on, I, I'm not saying I haven't fallen to the wayside at times and I haven't made any mistakes, but the Word has sustained me through everything. So you can't know what is your rights unless you study the Word. I mean, if you, if you know what's in here, you know, I, I quote a lot of times, no matter how things have looked at times, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. You know, I, I've had times where I've had to travel on my own a lot for my job, and it, sometimes it was a little scary. And going to sleep in odd places, I will lay me down and sleep in peace, where, Lord, thou only makest me to dwell in safety. You know, the word is there. There's something for every situation you have. And I guarantee you that you can't fight the devil without knowing what is your rights. That you're a child of God. And that he loves you. So my first thing is 
that you have to know the scriptures. I'm a child of God, and he's given me promises, promises of safety, health, family, salvation, needs met. And quote those scriptures. I don't care what the situation looks like. Speak them out loud. And that's the other thing. Speak it out loud. Don't just think it. Mumble it. Speak it. If you got to go around your house and tell the dog. <laughs> speak it out loud. You know, the Lord spoke the world into existence. There was a reason why he says very clearly that he spoke it into existence. I've got a lot of scriptures here, and I may just start reading them and let that finish it up, but about speaking. You know, he tells us to say to this mountain. He didn't say think it. He said speak it. There's something about the spoken word that has life if it's in agreement with the Word of God. And we got to speak faith regardless of what the circumstances or situation looks like to the natural eye. You know, you'll always have those that's going to see the negative. And if you let them speak into your life, they will take your promise away from you. They really, and it's not because people are trying to be evil or bad, but a lot of times they don't know the word and they don't know God like I know God. And that word hadn't become alive to them. So don't let people tell you, well, just because it looks bad, that there's no hope. And I'm sure there's a lot of y'all that's lived long enough, just like me, that you've seen God do a lot of things. And I can tell you when I spoke the word, the outcome always was a whole lot better than when I didn't speak the word. When my oldest daughter was 30 years old, <clears throat> she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And severe enough that they had to do radiation to reduce the three tumors before they could even consider operating. And I had people, I don't know, tell me, but God gave me peace. God told me she's going to be fine. She's going to come through it fine. You know, I had people tell me, well, Esther, aren't, aren't you worried about what's going to happen? She had a small child at the time. I said, God, you're faithful. You're faithful. You didn't give me that daughter to take her away like that. She's 37 now and, and been cancer-free for a number of years. But I had people I worked with that said to me, aren't you worried? Aren't you worried? I said, no, I'm not. I, I got on my knees when I found out and I prayed till I knew what God said. And from that point on, all I did was say, thank you, Lord, for healing my daughter. Two, two years later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. 
And they said it was the most aggressive breast cancer you can have. I told the oncologist, I said, I know you're my doctor. I said, but my trust is not in you. My trust is in God. And God brought me through. Now, during that time, I quoted a lot of scripture. And, and Psalms 23 became very, very real to me. And the Lord showed me that he said, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, but I was going to keep right on walking. And I'd get up every day, and I'd quote that. It didn't matter how bad I felt. The, he also said that we would praise the Lord in the land of the living. And I kept telling the devil that didn't say when I get to heaven. That's in the land of the living. But see, that's the, our scriptures. Then you could go to Psalms 91 and Psalms 105 that tells us that we have a right to be healed, that it's our right. So we've got to know the scriptures to speak the scripture, no matter what it looks like. When I was making notes about this, I thought, I wrote a note down that says, we need to uh, speak in agreement with the word of God, not what our eyes sees. And I've had people tell me in situations, well, Esther, you can't deny reality. And I wrote that down, and I thought, it really struck me this time. Who decides what is reality? Who decides that? God really decides that. And, I, and I'm going to read a scripture on that that really struck me this time. God decides what's reality. It's not what we see. It's not what we feel. We give too much credence to how we feel a lot of time. It's not what we think even. But it's what the Word says. That's reality. And the next point I want to bring out, and I'm going to read a few other scriptures here at the end, but we've got to be tenacious, persistent, unwavering there's going to be days when you don't feel good and you want to retract what you said the Lord's going to do and I found those are the days I better get by myself and keep my mouth shut because the devil will steal your promise right away from you and don't be double minded you know the James says that the Someone that's double-minded. Don't let him think he's going to receive anything of God. And that sounds harsh, but that's the truth. You've got to speak faith. You can't speak faith one day and doubt the next. You've got to speak faith. I don't care what it looks like. Speak faith. My God is able. I, I told Starla, I love the lesson she taught on David the other day. I love the story of David. David was totally confident that he was fixing to take that giant down. And we've got to be like that. It doesn't matter what we see or how we feel. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, where it talks about us being girded, but he also says, no matter what, stand therefore. You know, that if you study that scripture out, I, I had one time, he's actually using a, a Roman soldier's 
uh, garb to describe it. And when he's talking about standing there, if you study, he's talking about the way they taught the soldiers to stand. And they planted their feet apart where they were sturdy and they did not back up. If you can't go forward, at least just stand. Stand in what God said. Don't, don't give. Don't give the devil place to take your faith or your promise away. I also thought of it. I, I really, David's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I've read a lot about David, but, and, and y'all probably remember this, David's mighty men. He had 30 mighty men that they tell about feats that they, di they did that was defied all odds. But one of my favorite ones was the man that stood in the pea patch, basically, and defended it against several hundred Philistines. The Bible said, till his sword claved to his hand. Well, what's the sword? It's the Word of God. If we could stand and fight till the word just played, he couldn't even let go of the swords, what it meant. He had fought and swung that sword till he couldn't let go of it. And that's what we got to do. You got to stand and fight till your hand clings to the Bible and the word of God, regardless of the circumstances. And then praise, and that's the final thought here, and I'm going to add some scriptures to this because I believe in the Word, and praise no matter how things look. I'll, I won't tell you a little bit about this story of the Shunammite woman before I wind up with the rest of these scriptures. This woman was evidently a very wealthy woman. They had multiple servants. She had enough she could afford to have a room built on their house. And she knew that that child was given to her by a promise from God. Do we know what God gave to us by promise? You need to know what God's given to you by promise. So when the child died, and evidently she was such a mighty woman, even her husband deferred to her and sent the child to her. And I want to just point out a few things that she did. First of all, when the child died at noon, she went and laid him up on the bed of Elisha, which was a very strange thing to do. Anybody tell me why that was a strange thing to do? That was an act of faith because according to the Mosaic law, anybody that touched a dead body was unclean. You wouldn't have taken a dead child and laid it on a prophet's bed. That would have made that prophet unclean if he went there. But by faith, she said, my child might appear to be dead, but this child's going to live again. So she went and put that child on the prophet's bed, even though he was dead. You weren't even allowed to come near. A, 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 if you weren't family, you weren't allowed to come near a dead body, but what you were considered unclean. So she put the child on the bed, and then she asked for a donkey 
uh, to go to the man of God. Well, the man of God was at Mount Carmel. If you look up in the, you can actually look at them on the map today, Mount Carmel from the air was 18 and a half miles from Shunem. You know, we read this story and think she just trotted right down the road to get the man of God. Literally, according to historians, it would have been at least a 20-mile journey on a donkey. You know how long that would have taken that woman? She had a lot of time for the devil to sit on her shoulder, and I bet he sat on her shoulder just like he does to us. And said, oh, why are you bothering that child's dead. That child's dead. Here you're going all this way through this rough terrain and that child is not breathing. Don't you look foolish. But you don't see where she turned aside. In fact, even when she finally got to the servant, she said, it is well. Now if that's not faith, I don't know what is. It is well. And when she got to the man of God, she also said the same thing. He was going to send a servant. Now, they didn't have, they didn't have, Jesus had already died and, and risen from the dead. They're, they came to God through the prophets and through the priest. So this man of God represented her access to God to the answer to her prayers. And she fell down and grabbed him by his feet and said, I'm not letting you go, <laughs> basically. You're going with me. I don't care. You're going with me. And sometimes, that's what I'm saying, you gotta be that tenacious. You got the, you got the, fight, the fight of faith no matter what it looks like and what you got to hold on to. And she did. And of course, her child lived. But it still all comes back to speaking faith. So I want to give you just a few scriptures here to wind it up. Uh, that is on speaking. And actually, I, I, you know, I found so many. I finally just had to say, Lord, I'm sure they're going to be tired of hearing me by then. But Romans, the fourth chapter says, and, and I'm going to read a few of these here. Therefore, the promises come by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring. Now, if you're a child of God, you're Abraham's offspring, according to the scripture. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom, we, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. If Abraham could do that, you can do that. It don't have to be the pastor. I know pastors have a special anointing on them. But we're all the offspring of Abraham. And I can call into being those things that were not through the word of God and by faith. Now I'm not talking about speaking into existence things 
to consume upon your lust. Now that's what James says. He says you have not because you ask not. Because you ask amiss. But if it's in agreement with the Word of God, you can ask it and you can stand on it and you can believe it and you can take it to the bank. goes on to say, against all hope, in other words, it didn't look like it could ever come to pass. Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. 2 Corinthians 4 and 13 says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Do we really believe? Do we really believe? You know, sometimes it's, it's really hard to believe when you don't see it coming to pass. And you question, you know, God, did you hear me? Do you really care? But one thing I have learned, it doesn't matter how you feel. It really doesn't even matter what you think. It matters what the Word says. And that's what we're standing on. And sometimes we make faith so hard. We, we think we've got to have this huge revelation or, you know, just some big something happened, but it's just like a child. A child believes innocently in things. And that's all God's asking us. He, he gave us his word. Do we believe it? If we do, we'll speak it. Of course, y'all have heard this many times. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Power of life and death is in the tongue. Are we speaking life or are we speaking death? Mark 11 says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I say, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt, in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. It will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Isaiah 55, 11, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Corinthians 4 and 18, I really love this verse. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him who he hath sent. It's that simple. Believe him. Believe his words. Stand on his words. 
Samuel, who came through faith. The Bible said, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, he fulfilled every one he spoke. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And I want to conclude with just a couple other references. As I was studying this, you know, <clears throat> I was, uh, had dwelt for days and days thinking on speaking faith and, and the difference it makes. And I really believe this is something the Lord revealed to me. I've read the Bible my entire life. And I never caught this before. So you can take from it what you will, but I was going through some chapters in the Old Testament and reading about Moses. And in the, after the first year, it was in the second month of the first year after they had come out of Egypt, the people were complaining because they had no water. And y'all probably all remember the story. And the Lord told Moses, take your rod and strike the rock. And the rock represented what? Represented Christ. We know that from verses in the New Testament. We won't go there right now, but it represented Christ. And he struck the rock twice and water came out of the rock. Well then many years later, after you had the 12 spies went into the Canaan land, the promised land, 11, uh, 10 of them brought back an evil report, 2 Caleb and Joshua brought back a good report, and because they didn't believe God, because that's how serious unbelief is. I really believe unbelief is a serious problem if we allow it to take hold in our life. Because they did not believe God, they didn't go into the promised land. So they wandered for 40 years because God said, here goes back to words, they said, you brought us out here and our children will be consumed by the giants, blah, blah, blah. And then God said, because you said that, you're going to die in the wilderness and your children are going to go into the promised land. So right there before they went into the promised land, again, they were in the desert of Zen, I believe that time, and they had no water. And the Lord told Moses to do what? Somebody want to tell me real quick? Speak. Told him to speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. He didn't say strike that rock. He said speak to the rock. I believe the first rock was representative of the Mosaic Law and it was based on actions and deeds. And the second rock represented faith through Jesus Christ. And he said speak to that rock. Well, Moses was angry and he did not do what God said. He struck the rock twice. Now God still gave water, but he told him, he said, Moses, because you believe not. Look it up and read it. It's in Numbers, the 20th chapter. You're not going into the promised land. 
You'll see it, but you'll not go into it. Now think how critical that was that this man that God had honored did not go into the promised land because he did not speak faith. That was all God was trying to get him to do was speak to that rock that represented Christ and the salvation that was going to come. Speak faith. But he struck the rock and he didn't see the prompt. He saw it, but he never walked into the promised land. God has a promised land for us if we speak faith. I promise you, God won't ever let you down. You can go out there on that ledge and you think you're going to fall because you might look like an idiot saying something. But I promise you, if you speak faith according to the word of God, he won't ever let you down. And he will fulfill his word. And the final thing I'm going to close with is we need to praise him. We need to praise him. Even before you get your miracle, praise him. Praise him. I listen to praise and worship music all the time. Because it uplifts me and keeps my mind on God. And anything that I can do to help build my faith in God, that's what I want to do. But I'm going to close with this verse. I'm going to read it from the Common English Bible. and uh, It's pretty amazing. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Now he was in a bad situation here when he wrote this. He says, though the fig tree doesn't bloom and there's no produce on the vine, though the olive crop withers and the fields don't provide food, though the sheep is cut off from the pen and there's no cattle in the stalls. Basically, that man, he had nothing. Everything looked bad and everything looked like it was falling apart. But you know what he said? I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. He had faith. It didn't matter what it looked like. The Lord God is my strength. He will set my feet like the deer. He will let me walk upon the heights. Speak faith. I promise you. He will never leave you out there dangling. He'll always come through.